you got a Bible with you, grab your Bible with me real quick. We're gonna, we're gonna read the Word of God this morning. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen for you. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read quite a few verses real quick here, so just follow along with me if you can. First one, it says, this is a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen to be an apostle, sent out to preach the good news. God's promised us this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son, Jesus, and his earthly life. He was born into King David's family line, verse 4. And he was shown to be a son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that our God isn't dead today? Our God is alive and he is well. We aren't worshiping a dead tree. We're not worshiping a dead statue. We're not worshiping a dead religion. We're worshiping a God who is alive and who is well. It says he is Jesus Christ, Lord, our Lord. Verse five, and through Christ, God has given us a privilege and the authority as apostle to the Gentiles everywhere. What God, to tell them whatever God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him and bring glory to his name. Verse six, and you are included among the Gentiles who have been chosen, called by God to be in Christ Jesus. Verse seven, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. May the God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give us grace and peace. To skip ahead to verse 13. Verse 13 says this. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want you, I want to work among you and see the spiritual fruit just as I have seen among the Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and to the uneducated alike. I am so eager to come to Rome and to preach the good news. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work to save everyone who believes, Jews first and then Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished, start to finish by faith. Come on. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to receive your word, to receive your truth today. Father, we open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, come minister your truth, your wisdom, your understanding today. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Amen. Look at the neighbor and say, it's going to be a good day. Tell them it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good, good day. Come on, give it up for the worship team. They did a great, great Great job this morning. Great, great job. Hey, um, do me a favor um, today, and uh, if you know Katie and Preston, Preston plays uh, the guitar for us, and Katie is just a gem. Um, they Their house got broken into uh, this morning. Uh, well, they were in the house, and uh, they caught the people who broke into their house, but they're pretty shaken up, so... Uh, if you could, give them a call, uh, give them a text, tell them you're praying for them, you love them. Um, we know that whatever the enemy 
uh, chooses for harm, God always turns around and brings blessing and favor. And so we're believing that God's going to bless and favor Katie's uh, present in Katie's life, and it's going to be super, super good. All right, if you're taking notes today, um, I want you just to write this, the mission. You can call this the mission. Um, we're talking about the mission and the call of who we are um, as a church uh, today. And the mission of Elevate Church is really simple. We've boiled it down to this. It comes out of John chapter 21, where Jesus uh, speaks to Peter about the church and how to address the church. And he says three things. He says, I want you to feed, I want you to tend, and I want you to love people, okay? I want you to feed sheep and lambs, those who are new in their faith, those who are far away in their faith, those who have been seasoned in their faith. I want you to take care of them. Um, I want you to tend the house of the Lord. I want you to make sure that you're taking good care of people in the house of the Lord. And then I want you to love people. And really, this is the mission of our house. Um, when I read John 21 long before we started the church and I saw this uh, mission that God gave Peter, I thought, you know, this is the mission of our house. This is what God's calling us to do. And every house and every church has different missions and different visions, but this is our vision. This is our mission. And I believe in it. I believe in feeding, tending, and loving people. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. That's a good, that's a good word. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question, okay? How many of you have been to a good restaurant before? Raise your hand. You've been to a real, real wonderful, nice restaurant. Okay, now, I can tell you 100% that I have never in my life been disappointed when I've gone to the restaurant called Maggiano's, okay? Anybody been to Maggiano's uh, before, okay? I grew up in Chicago. Italian food is a big deal, and there's a Maggiano's right downtown in uh, Chicago. I've been going there since I was probably in junior high. Uh, I think that was one of our first dates, me and Jess. That's where we went uh, the night we got engaged. There's one down in Kenwood. Love Maggiano's. Okay, I love some chicken parm. Can I get an amen on some chicken parm, okay? They got good bread and good butter, okay? That's a big deal to me, okay? If you don't have good bread and good butter, eh, I'm not coming back, okay? And it's, it's gonna be free in Jesus' name. And then, you know, we gotta have Coke. Coke is a necessary thing, not Pepsi. We gotta have good Coke at this restaurant. They got good Coke. And then when we're done with that, we got a little butter cake afterwards, or we have some lemon cookies. Listen, I'm going to Maggiano's today, all right? Okay, it's that good. Now, I can tell you this, that I have been greatly disappointed at this restaurant before. Olive Garden, okay? <laughs> Olive Garden, Allah, I'm going to burn the place down. Don't like the place at all, okay? Chicken parm, a little burnt bread, okay? Listen, sometimes the bread is great, and then sometimes I'm like, am I putting a stick in my mouth right now? I'm like, how long has this been sitting out right now? And I promise you, I've, every time I've been to Olive Garden, I promise you I've waited just forever for my food. I'm always like, God, I thank you for teaching me patience right now in Jesus' name because I just, I, I can't stand the place. Okay, Now, let me ask you a question, okay? If I want to eat some Italian food, where do you think I'm going to go? Huh? Maggia, oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, oh, yeah, okay? Now, if I'm going to tell somebody 
to go get some Italian food, where do you think I'm going to tell them to go? Maja, I know. I know. People are looking at me like, is this a trick question? Are we being graded right now? You know, is there a pop quiz afterwards? No, no, okay. Listen, I believe 100% in feeding people the word of God. And I believe that people who are full of the word of God and full of Jesus are the greatest evangelists ever, 100%. When you are full and you are fed well, you do what? You tell people about how you're full. Listen, when I go to Maggiano's and I have a great dinner, or if I buy a car and I'm happy with the brand of the car, or if I go and buy some kind of, you know, TV or whatever in life, when, when I am satisfied in my soul by what I'm experiencing, I do what? I tell people about that experience. And I believe 100% when we are full of Jesus, when we are full of the word of God, it is a natural flow that comes out of us. It's something that we can't hold in. It's like, I got to tell you about what Jesus is doing in my life, what the word of God is doing in me, okay? Now, being fed has a lot to do with understanding, okay? When we have no understanding, we're not really being fed. And understanding really comes from what? Truth. And truth comes from where? The Bible, the word of God, okay? Jesus said this. He said, listen, you can either build your life upon the shifting sands. Ooh, ooh that, was, that was tough. That was tough. Shifting sands, okay? Sometimes that tongue gets twisted, okay? And he says this. You can build your life upon people's opinions, culture, whatever news program you watch, social media. You can build your life upon this sand. But be assured the sand will shift. Be assured that there will come a day where the opinions change. How many know that people's opinions about you change? Okay? I mean, I, can't, I can tell you, I can tell you some stories of some people who have looked me in the eyes and said, I love you, I got your back, we are with you. And 12 months later, they gone. <laughs> they gone. So either I'm going to build my life upon the opinions of people, the opinions of the world, the opinions of culture, which changes. I mean, look at news 30, 40 years ago. Culture's changing, sand shifting. Or Jesus said, you can build your life upon what? The rock, the word of God, truth that will prevail, truth that will never change. You know, this last week we celebrated a great Billy Graham and uh, just so proud of our country and the way that we honored uh, Billy Graham and honored his life. And I was watching some clips of Billy Man, heaven's so excited right now. I was just watching some clips of Billy. And I, I came across this clip of Billy and Dr. King together, which was just amazing in itself. And these two men of God, these two giants in the faith are preaching the word of God together. And I thought, man, truth doesn't change. It was truth back then, it's still truth today. And when you build your life upon truth, man, 
God does amazing things in our life. Unfortunately, I've learned the hard way. When I don't think like God, life gets hard. When I don't think like the word of God, life sometimes gets really tough. And the question is why? Why does life get tough? Because God says, my promises are yes and amen. Meaning what? God only has to bless what he promises. Okay? God's not subject to bless something in your life outside of the word of God. So there's a lot of times that we're asking God, hey, bless this area of my life, bless this relationship, bless this thing, and God's going, I don't have to bless this because I haven't written this in the word of God. It is not my promise, but whatever God promises, he says, I have to bless, I have to honor my word. So what does that mean? I got to think like God thinks, and the only way I'm going to think like God thinks is by knowing what God says. It's incredibly important to my life. So today we're going to kind of look through what God was saying in the book of Romans chapter one today. And so we're going to we're start with verse five and we're just going to kind of work through those verses today. Verse five, again, it said this, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell the Gentiles everywhere that God, what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Point number one today is this. We believe long before we obey. You believe long before you ever obey. You know, um, years and years ago, when I took the job in Michigan, there's a church called Valley Family Church, and um, we were young. I mean, I think me and Jess were 23 or 24, and we were youth pastors and um, trying to do our best and uh, working hard. And um, I, I remember I went on this trip and I got this email from pastors uh, Jeff and Beth, and they said, "Hey, we want to meet with you when you got when you get back." And so I got off the plane, came back to work, sat down in the office with them, and um, they looked at me and Jess and they said, "Hey, um, we just happened to look at everybody on staff's tithing records and." Uh, we've come to the realization, you're not, you're not tithing. And they said, you know, you're not just like a member in the church, you're a pastor on staff. Like, like you're on stage preaching, teaching about this. Like, what's going on? What's, what's happening? And, um, you know, just to be completely honest and real, um, got super nervous and super scared and made up some lie about, you know, like I wasn't a good manager of my money and, you know, I didn't know how to manage things right and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the reality was what? I didn't yet believe the word of God to be true. I didn't yet believe that God was really capable of taking 90 and, and paying all my bills and beyond. That's the truth. So in life, the reality is this. If I don't believe, I will never obey. So this is why Paul's going, I hope that you believe. We gotta get you to believe long before you ever obey because the reality is this. When we obey, we know what? God's favor and blessing comes upon our life and our home and everything that we touch in life. Obeying does two things, okay? Number one, it does this. It brings glory to God. Number two, denying myself 
can only be done through his grace and strength, okay? I can't deny myself just for life, okay? That makes no sense. Nobody in the world denies themselves other than for selfish ambition. So when I deny myself for the kingdom of God, it's only done through his strength in him. So when I make that choice, it brings what? Glory to God, obeying him ends up becoming what? True worship, okay? And what is the only thing that I could possibly bring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? He owns it all. He has it all in the palm of his hand. He knows every day of our lives. He knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. He knows everything you're going to do, everything you're going to say, everything that you're going to do with your life through it. He knows it all. So what is the only true thing that I can bring a king is worship. It's worship. And the reality is this. Worship's powerful because worship is a choice. Worship isn't something that is mandated on your life. If, if you were mandated to worship God, then you wouldn't have free will. And we see that God gave man and woman free will at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. That's why there's a tree in the middle of the garden that is a tree of temptation. Because if there was no temptation, there would be no free will. And if I didn't have free will, then I couldn't make a choice to either serve God or not serve God. So when I make a choice to believe in the word of God, when I make a choice to obey, I am choosing to bring glory to God. I'm choosing to bring true worship to a king of kings and lord of lords. This is what Paul's going, I want us to get to as believers bringing true worship. We go on verse seven, it says this. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. May the God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. I don't know if you ever read the New Testament. You see this all the time, grace and peace. Paul always says, bless you with grace and peace. Pray grace and peace. Number two point is this. Grace empowers, peace guards, okay? Grace empowers. So when I think of grace empowering, I think of He-Man. Anybody remember He-Man back in the day? You know, he had the big sword. You know, he's like, the power of grace skull. And he got like super huge and, you know, like lightning was all around. And I'm like, yeah, He-Man, you know what I mean? Even though I wasn't allowed to watch it. You know, when I was a kid, it was like totally forbidden, okay? But I would sneak it every once in a while. So when I think of the word empower, I think of He-Man. And then when I think of the word guard, I think of the word of, uh, I think of the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, okay? I don't know if you've seen that movie where they're guarding the whole entire universe, okay? Listen, God's grace empowers you to trust God. We could just end right there, okay? We just end today on that note. God's grace doesn't empower me to live in sin. God's grace doesn't empower me to live in selfishness. God's grace empowers you to trust God and to trust the word of God, okay? Because here's the reality. What we fear is what we really worship in life a lot of times. So if I fear lack, I end up worshiping lack. If I fear sickness, I end up worshiping sickness. So what's the opposite? I got to be able to trust that God is good. He's got my back. 
He knows what I need long before I ever do. And there'll be times that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and he'll go, hey, I need you to make a change in your life. Not because he's frustrated or upset or aggravated at you because he sees something down the road and he's going, I'm trying to save you from the hurt and the pain that you're gonna walk into. I'm just trying to redirect your life. So God's grace empowers us to trust God. God's grace empowers him, us to obey him, which is a blessing to who? You, it's a blessing to your family, it's a blessing to your friends, it's a blessing to your coworkers. Why? Because the Bible says what? That the obedient will eat the good of the land. I love that verse. I want to eat the good of the land. I want to eat the good of the land and everything I touch. So when I'm eating the good of the land and I'm obeying God and God's favor and blessing is upon my life, then what happens? All of a sudden, my children experience the goodness of God, right? And as a father, as a parent, it is my job. And as, you know, young people, you're going to get married someday and you're going to have kids and God bless you when you do. We'll pray for you big time, okay? Listen, someday your job, our job, our jobs as grandparents, our jobs as parents, our job as, you know, future parents is to what? Show our children the nature of who our God is, right? So my job is to show my children how mom and dad hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, know his voice, trust his voice, and then walk in obedience. And when they see us walk in obedience, they then see the favor of God on our life. So what does that communicate to my children? Oh, when God speaks, it's only for good things. Because I've watched it in my mom and dad. I watched my mom and dad walk in faith. I watched my mom and dad be obedient. I watched my mom and dad trust the Lord. And God was always faithful. God was always good. God always had our backs. And then you know what happens? Kids grow up with a confidence in who Christ is that is beyond anything that we even understand. It's just the truth. They grow up with a sense of destiny. They grow up with a sense of purpose. They grow up with a sense that God is with them and that God is for them and God has their back. And a lot of us, a lot of us think, well, man, I never saw that modeled in my life. That's okay. There's a lot of things I didn't see modeled in my life growing up. I saw a divorce modeled in my life growing up. I saw selfishness modeled sometimes when I was growing up. I definitely saw fear modeled a lot when I was growing up. I didn't see the word of God always modeled before me, but that doesn't mean that I have to be a victim in this life, does it? I don't have to have a victim spirit. I can go, no, God is greater than all these things that I wasn't modeled growing up. I can take the word of God, I can apply it to my life, I can be obedient, and I can see God's favor rest upon my life, just as you can. God is no respecter of person, promise you. God is good, and he is faithful to us all, all the time. Verse 8 goes on to say this. Let me say first that I thank God through Christ Jesus for all of you because of your faith in him, because of your faith in him, it is being talked about all over the 
world. Point number three is this, your faith, your obedience. Your faith, your obedience. Jesus speaks through your faith. People are watching your life. Remember that old, I remember, it was like an old scary movie. They're like, they're watching us. You know what I mean? That's life. People are watching your life. Their eyes are fixed on you. Why? Because you love Jesus. And they're trying to figure out, is this Jesus thing real? Or is this just some religion? Is this just something that is made up? Is this just something that you're doing to be self-help and to make you feel better about who you are when you're going through tough times? People are watching your life. Romans says this, when we are tested in our faith, we are building strength and character. I look at it this way. When we are going through tough things in life, God's strength comes. He's building us up, but people are watching God's strength firsthand, right? So as you walk in faith, all suddenly people go, man, that was a really tough situation. And I watched them trust the Lord. I watched them be obedient. See, listen, oh my gosh, okay. Can we just, can we be real for a second, okay? Can we just be honest? Look at your name and say, let's be honest, okay? Let's just be honest, okay? Let's, let's be real, let's be honest, okay, okay? Listen, okay? Trusting Jesus is not posting something on Facebook and be like, oh, God's word so good, and I'm trusting the Lord, you know what I mean? And behind, you know, that Facebook post, behind that Twitter post, behind that Instagram post, you're like, God, I'm so angry at you. That's not trusting God. That's not walking in faith. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now. There are gonna be times that God's gonna call you to walk in faith, and that means this, that you're gonna have to praise him when you don't wanna praise him. There's gonna be times that you're gonna have to walk in faith, and you're gonna have to confess God's word even when you see it not happening. That's faith. That's tough sometimes. Listen, I, I've told this church, and I will say it because I'm not saying it to you. I'm saying it to the devil. I promise you someday my wife will hear again out of her left ear again in Jesus' name. I promise you. I'm not saying it to you. I'm speaking it to the devil. I'm reminding him that he is defeated in the name of Jesus, and the power of God is greater than him, and Jesus restores, and he heals, and he renews. And sometimes my flesh doesn't believe that. Sometimes my flesh doesn't feel that, but faith rises up and says the word of God is true, and I'm gonna stand upon the word of God, and I'm gonna declare the word of God even when I don't feel like it right now. That's what faith is. That's the character, and when people see that, they go, that is real, and that is what the Bible's talking about here in verse eight. When your faith rises up, people will talk about faith. They talk about things all the time. They talk, and 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 they talk, but you give them something good to talk about. You show them the goodness of God because you walk it out before them, and all of a sudden they go, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. They were walking through a really tough time, and man, God was so incredibly faithful. I can't deny that God is good. 
He is so faithful. Verse 14 says this. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated. Point number four is we are family. Got all my sisters with me. Woo! I mean, I want to dance right now. We are family. I know, you're like, wow, it is bad. I don't care. And listen, at Matt's wedding, our, listen, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a tie around my head. I'm going to be dancing horribly, and I'm going to be having a great, great time at Matt's wedding. I promise you, okay? We're family. We as people in humanity... We, as Elevate Church, we are called to reach all, all people. Listen, when I was a youth pastor at Enfuego, I had this thing that I said every single weekend. I said, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what school you go to. I don't care if you're rich or you're poor. I don't care if you're black or you're white. I don't care if you're the coolest or the uncoolest. I don't care if you're the best at sports or the nerdiest. I don't care who you are. When you come to Enfuego, you are family and you belong to Jesus and you're a part of our family. Every weekend I said that. And I believe it. I believe it. Just as Paul said, I am called to the educated and to the uneducated. I'm called to every race, every nationality, every people group. I'm called to everybody, no matter where they're at on the journey. We're going to love people just as Jesus loved people. And we're going to create a family. That is what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place where you can come and you can rest and be okay with who you are, knowing that people are on the same journey as you, knowing people are failing just as you are, knowing people are at victories just as you are, knowing that you can be who you are. That is what family is. That is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. The body of Christ is not supposed to look like one segment. I've said it from day one, and I'll continue to say it. We are going to always and will be a multicultural church. We're going to reach lots of different nations and lots of different countries and lots of different people, and I'm going to be excited when I get to heaven because I know that's what heaven looks like. Listen, when I went to the Hillsong Conference, I think, what was it, Matt, like, what, eight, nine years ago, I remember I I'm in this arena with like 30,000 people and I'm seeing people from around the world and they're all singing the same song. Some of them are singing it in different languages, but we're all singing the same words and I thought, this is what heaven looks like. This is what heaven's gonna be like. Every nation, every race, every people group, all subject under Jesus Christ, giving him glory and honor. And so when we come together and we honor Jesus, we're family. And we bear each other's cares and burdens and triumphs and victories together. We walk through it together as one, as a family. Verse 16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, first Jews and then Gentiles. Point number five is I'm not ashamed. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Point number five is I'm not ashamed. The word 
ashamed. I looked up the definition of the word ashamed. The first thing that came up with the word ashamed is this, embarrassed. I don't know if you've ever been embarrassed before. I know that I've been embarrassed before. I remember one time I was a sophomore in high school, and um, there was this girl that um, she kind of liked me. I wasn't really feeling her, but she really wanted to go to a dance with me, and um, my friends were like, hey, why don't you just go to a dance with her so you can come hang out with us? Because I was like anti-dancing when I was growing up. I was like, I would rather just go teepee everybody's houses when they're at the dance instead of going to the dance. It's a lot more fun to me if you're like, what is teepeeing? It's throwing toilet paper in people's trees, okay? Um, it was lots of fun, okay? I promise you, okay? So I decided, okay, fine. I'll go to the dance with her. And I'll never forget, um, one day I went to my locker and my, I had gone to uh, basketball practice and I got back from basketball practice and my class ring was gone. Anybody had class rings like growing up? Like that was like a, like a big deal, okay? My class ring was gone. So the next day at school, I find out that this girl is wearing my class ring and that she is telling everybody in the school that like we are going steady and like we are like hot to try, you know what I mean? And I'm like, no, we are not hot to try. We are not going steady. And I'll be honest with you, like I was super mad because I was what? I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. So I remember that day at lunch, like we had these lunchroom where like all the lockers like went around the lunchroom. Like I found her in the lunchroom and I was like, hey, you have my ring and she did she had my ring on and I was like I didn't give you that ring and you know how like high school like everybody just congregates to drama you know what I mean there's like hundreds of people and I'm like I am not your boyfriend I don't like you and I'm not taking you to the dance and the dance was like in a day and I yanked my ring and I walked away and everybody was like dang you know what I mean I got embarrassed we get embarrassed Sometimes when we're ashamed, we get embarrassed. The other word that came up was regretful. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of regrets in this life. But I think the biggest regret that I have is not trusting Jesus wholehearted sooner. I just wish I would have trusted him a lot sooner. I wish I would have trusted the word of God a lot sooner. The other word that came up, discomforted, discomforted. I don't know if you've ever had somebody around you uh, and that person just kind of gave uh, the heebie-jeebies, you know what I mean? I mean, and I couldn't believe that Siri could actually spell heebie-jeebies. I spoke it into my computer and it spelled heebie-jeebies. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Have you ever been around somebody that just makes you feel discomforted? Just like, oh, like you are just super weird and odd. I remember years ago, I had this youth leader um, when I got to Mississippi, he was already on like the leadership team and they were like, here's your leadership team. And I remember he like came to our house. And I, and I, the only way I can explain him is how many of you remember like Chris Farley back in the day where, you know, remember Chris Farley, it's like the guy who lives in a van down by the river. You know what I mean? That guy, okay. This was this guy on my leadership team. I promise you, uh, he had a odd smell to him. Um, had a good amount of dandruff on his shoulder every day. I promise you, okay. Um, he was that guy that was like super Jesus crazy. You know, like I love Jesus, but like, I mean, everything. You could be like, man, I had a good burger today. He'd be like, give it up for Jesus. 
You know what I mean? I'd be like, bro, it's a burger. He's like, I know, God made that cow, man. God is so good. I would be like, yeah, bro, seriously. You need to take some pills and chill out, you know? Discomforted. The other word that came up is apologetic. Apologetic. You ever felt like you had to apologize for somebody? You bring somebody with, they do something stupid, you're like, oh gosh. Oh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta apologize to everybody. Listen, I can tell you this. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not regretful. I'm not discomforted. I'm not apologetic about Jesus ever, ever. Ever, I've never been embarrassed by Jesus. True Jesus, true Jesus. I've never been regretful about a decision that I made to follow him or something he's asked me to do. I've never been discomforted by him. I've only been comforted by him. I've never been apologetic about Jesus. If anything, there are so many times in my life that I go, man, I am way, 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 to just, I'm just sometimes not bold enough about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves my soul. Jesus is the one who comforts my soul. Jesus is the one who makes me complete. Why don't you stand with us this morning? This is what I wanna do today. verse 7, he said, may God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. It's God's grace that empowers you. It's His grace. I don't know if you realize this yet in life, but we all start the year with great intentions, New Year's resolutions, things that we're gonna change, things that we're gonna do, things we're gonna improve, things that will be different about this year. And then we get to like today, like what, March 4th, and we're like, that was like 100 years ago. There's no way I'm still doing those things. Why? Because you're trying to do something out of your own strength and own grace and own the power. And when you do that, man, life's tough. It's hard to be a great husband. It's hard to be a great wife. It's hard to be a great friend. It's hard to be a great coworker. It's hard to do and to be all that we're called to be outside of God's grace. God's grace empowers, empowers me. And then get what? God's peace comes. And what does God's peace do? It shuts the lies of the enemy. It shuts down his lies. And all of a sudden, I have peace in my soul. God is with me and he's for me. Amen? So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for peace and grace. Grace. How many in here would say, I need grace to be obedient? My hand's up. You're like, I need some grace. I need some grace in my life. How many of you go, I need some peace? I need peace. I need the peace of God to shut the lies of the enemy down. Shut the lies of the enemy down. Lies. 
Can I tell you a lie that the enemy's been telling me for the last four months that I've been shutting down by the Word of God? The enemy has consistently, in the middle of the night, come to me with fear about death. And he'll talk to me about how you've never been to heaven. How do you know it's real? How do you lead all these people and tell them that heaven and hell is real when you've never been there? It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Right? I'm no different than you. There's moments the enemy comes and he makes me question things. But then God's grace empowers me. God's grace empowers me to overcome those lies. God's grace comes to empower us to have victory in life in the Word of God. Amen? Come on, I want you to close your eyes. Come on, just worship the Lord. Just focus your attention upon Him and His grace. Come on, just let whatever's in your heart come out. Start thanking Him for His goodness. Start thanking Him for His grace. Let's sing that, God, you're so good. 